0: Hi, and welcome back to the Church Renewal Podcast. I'm your host, Alan Edwards. We're dropping an episode of our Renewal Voices series into your feed today. In the Renewal Voices series, we seek to hear from thought leaders in the work of gospel renewal and church revitalization from across various traditions in the evangelical faith. We're joined today by Paul Hahn, the coordinator for the Presbyterian Church in America's Mission to North America. Mission to North America, resources, local congregations and networks for the work of church planting, home missions here in the United States and North America, and church renewal and revitalization. Now, Paul is also a founder of Flourish Coaching, and we are so happy to have him back with us today. Here on Renewal Voices, we want to understand the ways that God is using people in various denominations and and leadership roles to affect gospel renewal in local congregations and in the hearts of local pastors. So come along, join us for this discussion with Paul Hahn as we look at the ways that Jesus is renewing his church. All right, Paul, thank you for joining us on the podcast today. How are you doing, brother?
1: Thanks, Alan. Thanks for having me. I'm doing well uh, in week two of uh, self-quarantine sheltering here in Athens, Georgia, but but bearing up okay.
0: That's great. Yeah, we are we are uh, recording this in the middle of the uh the COVID-19 uh crisis and pandemic uh and in the midst of all that we're trusting the Lord Jesus, am I right?
1: <laughs> Amen. Amen.
0: Yeah, and so the work of the kingdom never stops and so we're glad to be uh taking a moment to breathe deeply and think about the ways that Jesus is renewing his church together. Paul, for our audience, can you just briefly give us your your biographical sketch? Who are you and how did you come to intersect this conversation about church renewal? Yeah,
1: thanks, Alan. Yeah, grew up in Central Florida, in Lakeland, Florida. I uh, grew up in a Christian home, had uh, the privilege to be born into a wonderful Christian home. My dad is now with the Lord, and my mom lives very near us here in Athens, Georgia, and uh, is going on beautifully with Jesus. Um, I was born into a church planting effort. My parents were lay leaders as a part of, so church planting has been a part of my life since, since the very beginning. But, uh, I, I came to faith very early in life, uh, growing up in a evangelical Baptist church, Southern Baptist church, um, you know, had various experiences of renewal, really was that child that, um. Did not know a time, even though I wasn't raised in a covenant tradition, per se, theologically. I was raised covenantally, practically. Uh, My parents teaching me the gospel from my earliest memories and me believing that Christ came from me and was my savior. But I kept sort of trying to find the right conversion experience. In a sense, I was looking for renewal all along, made a profession of faith and was baptized at 11 years old in my tradition and then kept sort of walking the aisle making these efforts to renew my life Mm. with the Lord or make sure I had really accepted Christ in the right way in our tradition at that time in the seventies. And, um, and so, you know, got to college and, and the Lord met me in a fresh way and renewed my life and faith. Um, I, um, in our hometown in the summers, uh, two summers between my, Sophomore, junior year, and junior and senior years of college, God brought a wave of renewal among youth in our mm. community. Um, and uh, God touched my life deeply through that. Um, and and it was powerful. Uh, went back to college, had the privilege to go on an Athletes in Action tour of the South Pacific uh, but before my senior year of college as a baseball player. I was a college baseball player at Yale University. and. Uh, went and saw that the Lord could actually use my witness, feeble and frail as it was, and came back and went on staff with Athletes in Action after graduation, starting the work at the University of Florida in 1984, was there a couple of years, and then met Fran through the ministries of Campus Crusade for Christ. She was a graduate of Auburn, and uh, we connected through various Crusade conferences and uh, got married in '86. Uh, went off to seminary uh, at reform seminary in jackson Mississippi when it was only one campus for RTS back in the dark ages and uh and the reason I went there was because of one of the founders of Flourish, Ted Strawbridge was there and Ted and Mary Lou were there and they were from our hometown and they helped draw us there and 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 encouraged us there. So great years in Jackson, uh had renewal opportunities there. Working in youth ministry and supply preaching ministry, interim preaching ministry as a student supply, and learned a ton about various renewal settings in churches in Mississippi, uh, in Gulfport and in Meridian, uh, as well as working in Jackson, some, and then came out and worked with Ruf. I was Ruf at Auburn for four years, and then we went out to Austin, planted the first PCA church in the city of Austin. In 1994, we were there about 10 years. There are now seven daughters and granddaughters out of that and three RUFs and an RUFI. So that's really fun to see. That works you know, really flourish
0: there in Austin, God hasn't it?
1: God has been very kind. And then we went on to Knoxville. We were in Knoxville Planted Redeemer Church of Knoxville. They are in the process of helping with the presbytery, their second church plant uh, that they are partnering with and uh, they are doing a great job uh, there in the heart of Knoxville Redeemer Church of Knoxville. We were there about 12 years, then took the role to work for Tennessee Valley. The presbytery came to me and said, Paul, would you consider working for us, and would you consider coming and being a director of church planting? And I said, no, I would not like to do that, even though I had been a part of the Church planning movements in the Southwest helped to start the Southwest Church Planning Network, a charter member of that, and had been an MA chair in Texas and had been instrumental in a lot of church planning in, in Tennessee, but really said no. But my heart would be drawn to a pastoral role that was broader to promote church planting and church renewal side by side, because
0: mm-hmm.
1: what I had seen in my journey was in all of this planting and campus ministry was that renewal has to be a way of life for every christian every pastor gospel renewal the hope that the spirit of god who is who is renewing all things would renew me and renew his people through the gospel through word prayer and sacrament ordinary means of grace ministry but begging god to continue his good work in us i i remember reading something that um years and years and years ago that Michael Scott Horton had written in, a, in an old White Horse Inn uh, sort of uh, promotion. And he said, you know, to paraphrase badly, but, but my effort at paraphrasing, he said, there's got to be a sense for us that every few years, at least every five to 10 years, that we have such a profound new experience with Jesus that it's like we've been converted again. Mm. And I found that to be true in my own journey at 57 and sort of covenantally being raised. So sort of not knowing a time where I wasn't walking in this in some way uh, that that I depend upon those key large. And oftentimes they can be crisis driven or special providential events in our lives or in our world like right now with COVID-19. Um so I, I depend upon and look for those and cry out for those big moments where the Spirit breaks me and renews me powerfully and gives me a new sense of vision and the depth of the wonders of God's grace coming alive in my life. But, but I really count more on the daily, weekly, seasonal, ongoing renewal of the Spirit working through the means of grace, keeping daily Sabbath with the Lord in prayer and Bible reading and meditation and keeping weekly Sabbath. I'm not the best weekly Sabbath keeper, uh, but I struggle with that and really um, trying to grow afresh in that uh, because I just think it's so crucial, particularly for those listening that are pastors. You can just go on and on and serve and serve. And all of a sudden you're withered and dried and bitter. And you might not even know why. It might even be if things are going well. You feel that way, and so, uh, it's so, privilege. So, so anyway, yeah, yeah, I've talked too much. Sorry. No, no,
0: no, no. It's fine because I can hear in you this this passion for Christians to experience personal renewal in their relationship with the Lord in the gospel, reshaping them constantly. Right? Romans twelve one and two, being transformed. Um, your your community of churches, your presbytery comes to you and says. Yeah. Will you help with church planting? There's a lot of energy and excitement. Church planting, if, if I can say church planting is sexy, right. and you come back to them and say, actually, I'd also like to invest in existing congregations to see them renewed as congregations. Right. Did you get any pushback to that? And And why is it that you kind of in your heart and mind made the leap from it's not just individuals who need renewal, yes. but groups of individuals yes. in churches. How did you make that leap yeah. as
1: someone who was going to take on this new role? Yeah, good questions, and thanks for getting me back on track to your, to your original question. I'm sorry. Uh, I have the great capacity to tell you how to make a watch when you ask me what time it is. Sorry about that. Uh, but, but just to kind of finish um, the thought that you were trying to get me to at first, Yes, renewal is a way of life for every Christian, but renewal has got to be a w- way of life for every congregation. It's got to be a way of life for every movement of church planting and every presbytery. It's got to be a way of life for the whole collection of churches that is the PCA and in all of Christ Church. So yeah, I came back to the Presbytery in, you know, that was now um some six, seven years ago, and said, Hey, I'd like to combine these things because I think we got to plant more churches here in this whole region. Uh, But if we don't also work on seeing health and vitality and flourishing in our existing churches and coming back to a fresh sense of grace and mission and purposing, uh, then we might plant a lot of great churches, but we might lose the game. We might win the battle and lose the war, so to speak. To to change images, for me, the image the Lord gave me was this sense that if we have a piece of landscape we're given to tend and to make flourish and grow and beautify, um, if there are patches on that that have no turf on it at all, let's say, well, we need to put turf down. We need to put sod down. We need to seed that. We need to water that. We need to put grass down where it is not. But if that's the only thing that we do, we're not going to have a beautiful lawn. We also have to weed and feed and tend and water that which is already covered and see it become thicker and more lush and growing. And so that becomes one beautiful carpeting of the whole landscape. And so to me, the need of the hour in the PCA, when you consider the PCA as part of the broader evangelical movement of the Church of Christ, in our world today. So people like Ed Stetzer and other missiologists tell us that eight out of 10 of existing evangelical churches are plateaued or declining by sort of numerical metrics, who's coming to worship, how many people are being converted, how many people are being baptized, um, what are the numbers in discipleship programs, and what are the efforts in community outreach and evangelism and justice and mercy. So you can kind of do those metrics numerically, We might balk at that. Those are not foolproof. But if we dig deeper and go down deeper, I think we realize a lot of our churches are losing heart. A lot of our churches are losing focus. Yeah. A lot of our churches are are growing very gray and old and feel disconnected from a changing environment around them, a changing culture, a changing microculture, and a changing macroculture. And so there's a desperate need. What we used to say so often about the mainline churches, I was coming in to ordain ministry in 1990, the kinds of statistics we would hear and see about the mainline churches, and we would sort of wag our fingers and shake our heads and say, Well, look at us, that's not true of us in the evangelical movement. Well, now we have the same issues that we're in decline or plateaued, and we're struggling. And so, So I think renewal desperately means coming back to the gospel afresh, but it also means coming back to how do we incarnate the gospel in our place and what is God's unique vision and purpose for us as a congregation or a network of congregations in this space. So that to me was what I was passionate about, say, okay, Tennessee Valley, if you're going to let me have this privilege of coming on board with you and working now more behind the scenes as I entered my fifties rather than on the front lines. Um, I'd like us to work equally at planting and renewal. Yeah. We had seen one real success story that I know flourish is connected with in partnering with in certain ways that, um, that led me to some of that was um, we had brothers in our presbytery who came to us from Cleveland, Tennessee, the Trinity church in Cleveland, Tennessee, and said, Hey, we're really struggling we have think we have been led by God's spirit to a wonderful pastor who can come and help us, um, be renewed and, and, and help us go forward Philip Keynes and we want to bring him here into the Presbyterian in and a committee, which I was serving on at the time in the early two thousands and, and said, Hey, we can't even bring a pastor in if you don't help us,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but we'd love you to have a vision to help us be renewed and uh, And then we'd like to become an anchor to help promote renewal in the presbytery, and God has just blessed that across the last fifteen years. Uh, Trinity Church in Cleveland, Tennessee, is thriving. Philip and the session are thriving. Uh, they've brought on other staff. they have a vision for multiple church plants in their region, but they're also leading a cohort for training and encouragement uh, through next gen ministries, um, Chris Vogel uh, in you know connecting um pastors in renewal settings and they really are anchoring that's probably the best best investment that Tennessee Valley Presbytery has made in the last 15 years was giving church planting money to an established church that looked like it was on the brink. Mm-hmm. And God has done great things there. A yeah. second effort in that region is with the Jasper Church um, in that area that's in a very small town um, that is is sort of coming back from the dead and is growing again and now has multiple pastoral staff engaging in the community. So the model can and does work by God's grace.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's exciting. I think sometimes folks scratch their head at existing congregations. You know, we, we talk about at Flourish, all churches need renewal. We all need to be renewed in the gospel. Some churches are in acute situations that need revitalization. And when churches are in those acute situations, sometimes their neighbor churches look at them and say they're sister churches in their own tradition right. at them and say, ah, oh, sorry, man. There's, there's really nothing we can do for you. You know, be well fed right. and blessings go on your way. And, and I think some people just kind of throw their hands up and say, what can we do to help existing congregations? It just seems like we're uh, to use a commercial term, we're throwing good money after bad um what is it from your perspective having done a little bit of this work in in a given region and we'll talk more about your your current role nationally in a minute here but in that given region what was it that that you felt was like a tipping point for people to say oh we we as a community of churches should invest in these churches that have like this acute revitalization need was there was there some sort of emotional or intellectual tipping point? What what really got the fire going?
1: Well, I think a couple of things converge. One is we had seen the benefit of investing in, in Cleveland with Trinity, and we began to see some fruit uh, across uh, the years there with that. Um, and then the Presbytery, in, in offering me the opportunity to come and labor with them, um, you know, in, in us going from the MA committee level to the whole Presbytery level in in presenting this, um, the idea that we would be helping and encouraging established churches through the structure of Mission in North America as much as we were going to be trying to plant new churches, just rung a bell. It was like striking a chord, you know, like a like a deep sea or something on the piano that sends it resonances. Octaves up, you know, the scale from there. But I think, oddly enough, if I was going to point to one thing as a tipping point, Alan, there for it was an effort we made that looked like a failure. And that was when I came on board with Tennessee Valley, right away, I got very, very involved with Grace Church atop Lookout Mountain in Georgia, right across the street from Covenant College. Originally, Grace was an RPCES church and was the first church that was actually founded on the campus of Covenant College when the college moved to Chattanooga to Lookout mountain. And, um, and so this, this church had a long rich history of being affiliated with the college and with college students, but had, had endured years, if not decades of mission drift to some extent, and a lot of internal struggle around tertiary issues theologically. Um, and a lot of, um, struggles relationally to love one another well. And so um, that church came to me even before I was hired and said through their leadership, would you help us pursue a renewal path? And, uh, and, and, and ironically, in the year and a half that I worked for Tennessee Valley before taking this position to work for M&A denominationally, uh, I would say I probably spent more of my time, I certainly spent more of my time On that project with Grace Church atop Lookout Mountain than any other place. Grace Church saw beautiful renewal occur in that year and a half of their leaders and their people coming together and being personally renewed in the gospel in beautiful ways, repenting and believing, uh, repenting toward one another, repenting toward former members or others in our presbytery in certain ways out of a very sort of litigious and And difficult history in many ways. Um, But God didn't choose for renewal to take the shape of the congregation flourishing numerically again. Mm. And we sought many, many avenues to bring in an infusion of people from other churches in the Presbyterian. And one or two wonderful leaders came on board with us, but, but not many people felt called to come be a part of that. And we looked for mother daughtering relationships, we looked for multi-siding opportunities, we looked for all kinds of ways to strategically, we looked at pastoral searches, and God just closed door after door after door, and God gave the, actually, the elders and the deacons, sort of they functioned as a joint consistory in those last years in a lot of ways, um, a clearer vision, you know, me, this was my first big renewal effort, is pastor planning renewal in the Presbytery. And so I was ready to fight to the death, you know, to make this. And they very wisely made a decision to realize that they sensed providentially after a long and beautiful, you know, some 50 years of history that the Lord was calling them to close. And they wanted to love the saints who were left, the 30-something saints well, and shepherd them well, and help them be connected to other congregations in a in a timely way, and in a healthy way, and then take their physical and real property um, resources and invest them for church planning and renewal in other ways. So they gave their property to Covenant College. It's now adjacent to the college and part of the physical grounds of the college. They gave every missionary that they had been in relationship with a major kind of parting gift. And they gave the Presbytery significant monies for planting and renewal efforts. And so there was a beautiful case of um, renewal leading to a fresh sense of death that resurrection would come. And I think that's a key principle of renewal as well. If every Christian needs renewal, every church needs renewal, then that's going to mean that every Christian and every church and every movement is going to have repeated moments of death and resurrection, Mm. we're dying daily that the gospel might rise and bear amazing fruit all around us. And sometimes those deaths and resurrections are just the ones we want, and sometimes they're not the ones we want, but Jesus still uses them. So I think that was a tipping point that the Presbytery saw, hey, we invested manpower and money and prayer and effort and time. Um, and it didn't go just how we wanted. It would have fit our old idea perhaps of good money going after bad, but actually it was good money and resources and prayer going after great good that has come mm. out of that. Yeah. So I think that was a real tipping point for us. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's
0: a hard story, but that's a beautiful story yes. of the way God can can move a heart, even if he doesn't produce the results that we were expecting. He can He's still doing something in our hearts Yeah, that. That's beautiful.
1: And he's doing something for the broader mission of his kingdom. Those, those monies have been used and those resources have been used countless ways. And I think something as I get attached to broader movements out there in my role as Mission North America coordinator and getting to go to events where I'm around other evangelical leaders in similar capacities. When you see movements of renewal as well as movements of planting, that are flourishing, one of the key component threads that is a commonality is they are not afraid to suffer what look like losses in order to pursue the mission. In other words, you know, to be crass, we're willing to crack some eggs to make omelets. That analogy, I don't really like that much. I I really prefer the death and resurrection because we don't know where our sacrifices are going to be taken in the Lord's goodness but we know he is going to do things. And so if you're a leader thinking about renewal in your setting or your presbytery or your region or your network, and you want to get just the right one that you're sure is going to work before you invest your time and your money, um, that makes you clutch everything too hard. And you can almost make an idol out of the projects rather than just saying, we're going to step into this and trust our Lord. And I I think that was good for Tennessee Valley to see on the front of it.
0: Well, Paul, this has been a really encouraging opening of our conversation about your personal journey of renewal. We're going to pick up part two of this conversation, if I can keep you on the line in our next right. episode. Right. And we're going to talk a little bit more broadly now that you are in a, a role trying to affect renewal and church planting across the country in your denomination in the PCA. Right. Um, so we're going to keep you on the line and, uh, and we're going to cut this episode. We're going to start the next in a minute here. But for those listening at home, we hope that you are, are hearing the heart of renewal in Paul's voice today. Um, that connection between the individual and then the group as a congregation and the way that, that Christ renews us personally, renews us as a body all to his glory um, and, and, how that can, and, and how experiences of renewal can then spread like wildfire in a community of churches. Uh, we hear that from Paul's story of his time in East Tennessee, and we're gonna talk more about how, how his his organization, Mission North America, is affecting that nationally. Uh, in the meantime, you've been listening to the Church Renewal podcast from Flourish Coaching. Flourish exists to set ministry leaders free with the gospel, to be effective wherever God has called them. When pastors and churches feel stuck, our coaches come alongside them, renew their hope in the gospel, and help them gain some strategic clarity. We're uh, recording today because we believe there's one fully sufficient reason that this day dawned and that is that Jesus is still gathering a people to himself and using the church to do it. So we want to spread the word about how Jesus is renewing his church. If you'd like to be part of the conversation, find us on the web at flourishcoaching.org. Reach out to us on Facebook or Twitter at flourishcoaching. You can always email us directly. I'm Alan, A-L-L-A-N at flourishcoaching.org. That's alan at flourishcoaching.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. We'll record part two of Paul's personal story and and how the PCA is trying to affect renewal throughout their denomination. Uh, In the meantime, keep digging into the ways that Jesus is renewing his church.